welcome. All right, live and direct. Alzheimer's, what they forget to tell you, episode 30. 30. 30. Yes, 30. I think it's 30. Yes, yeah, it's 30. 30. Welcome. Thank you for joining us once again. This is your cafe. Yeah. Um, is everybody doing? Hello, Craig. Ramon. Hi, Craig. Ramon Lind. Hello. She did. I, I got nothing. Take the hair out of your mouth. There's not, there's there not a hair in my mouth. There we go. Let me okay. Go. Okay, Karen. Um, oh, wait. We're going to talk about today. Um, <laughs> already. <laughs> we're already entertaining. We're going to talk about um, the domino effect of caregiving. Hello, Craig. And um, uh, we're going to have a Karen with a K. Well, we already know she spells her name wrong. And she's going to. She does. Okay, but do you have to say that every time? Yes, like at some point, like it's like it's no, because it's okay. Karen with a K that spells her name wrong. Okay, okay, carry on. Okay, she's gonna talk about uh, the effects of her caregiving, and um, I'll let her explain it. I'm not gonna tell you, but uh, we're just earlier in the week. Karen and I were having a conversation of how stressful it is. Her mom has, um, they believe now, frontal temporal dementia, which is what I think my mom has, but she wasn't diagnosed with that. Um, and the the effects now of her father, who is her primary caregiver, and then Karen being the informal caregiver, who kind of has to manage, I guess, both her parents now. Ah, and there she's calling. Perfect. <laughs> Hello. Hi, Karen. Hi. Thank, Karen. thank you so much, Wendy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, I think everybody knows. <laughs> it's Karen with a K. Here she is, live and direct. Karen with a K. <laughs> Okay, so I was just doing a little brief introduction, but you could take it away, Karen, a little bit more on um, the background story. Okay. Um, so, where do I begin with this sad story? Um, well, so my mom has Alzheimer's, as some of you may already know. Um, she was diagnosed in 2013 in October. I think it was October 9th. Um, I would say that she was showing, uh, or she was symptomatic for maybe five years before that, um, but we really didn't think she had Alzheimer's at first, or at least I didn't, nobody really thought. She just seemed a little bit different. Um, she would say stuff like, well, I'm not working anymore, so I have no need to know what the date is, and she uh, stopped being a canvasser for the uh, Cancer Society. And now I understand it's because collecting the money and recording the money was becoming a challenge for her. Mm. Um, so her first major symptom that I observed was her retelling of stories over and over and over and over and over again. And I, you know, I mentioned this to my dad at the time 
you know, he didn't really see anything. You know, a lot of the times folks think that this is a normal part of aging, which it is not. Um, and so I started going to her family doctor, we had the same doctor, and started just um, mentioning some of my observations. And uh, he would talk to me about spatial awareness and the types of things to pay attention to, to then report back to him. And so that went on for about two years. Um, and then I, I remember he said, you know, it sounds like your mom has Alzheimer's. And so he gave me the mini mental state test to do, or the MOCA. And I looked at my mom and I thought, well, I know she's not going to pass this test, so I didn't bother. Oh, really? Well, yeah. Oh. She wasn't going to complete it. So. Oh. So what kind of, for people who don't know what MOCA is, what kind of test is this? So, well. Karen, correct me. I think it's the Montreal Cognitive. MOCA, Montreal yeah, it's um, it's it's basically a mini mental exam, and it just uh, it um has different questions such as like it'll ask you what day is it today, or it'll a lot of times um Alzheimer's, I don't want to say patients, but people with Alzheimer's or dementia they have issues with drawing the clock. Right. So, so it's with the executive function of the brain. Exactly. And so it's about five to seven different questions, and they focus on different parts of the brain. So the questions seem really simple. So like Karen said, draw a clock. So they look at how circular the clock is. The time is, I think, 11, 10, or 10 minutes after 10. So they want to see if um, people put um, measure the hands, right? So the long hand, the short hand, um, they have to identify animals like a camel and a rhinoceros um, you have to name all the words you know that begin with the letter f they also minutes. they also do like um repetition so they'll say three words and then they'll right. talk about something else and then they'll ask you to repeat the three words again right and then they also will read out letters and ask uh, the patient to hit the table every time they say the letter a Right. And so there's a square, it's the same test that Donald Trump did with that uh, doctor um, to see how his mental function was. And so I think it's out of 26 or 30, and I think it's out of 30, and anything from 26 to 30 is, I believe, normal functioning, and anything below 12 is um, severely cognitively impaired. Okay, got it. Okay. And, and if a person has been a professional person, um, and my mom, like Karen's mom, was a nurse. They get an extra point because because of their ability to be a professional, they're able to use deductive reasoning to try to figure out the answers. So when my mom has to draw a clock, sometimes she doesn't remember how, but she may look up and notice a clock, mm -hmm. and that will give her a hint. So maybe then she'll draw a better clock. So when someone's a professional, whatever their score is, they then add one to it. So my mom has had Alzheimer's for four years, four or five years since she was diagnosed, and her last score was 13, which is really 12. She just got the extra mark because she was a nurse. That's a, a very severe cognitive decline. Yeah. like In four years. She, yeah, absolutely. They said her when she had her CAT scan that they... Detected significant brain atrophy, mm -hmm. 
and so it was a really firm diagnosis that she suffered with or that she has dementia but um, because my mom was a professional working woman her social graces are still very much intact so if you see her for like a two minute span she'll say hi appropriately she'll smile appropriately um, and people often do not believe that she's severely cognitively impaired and so when my dad was had a, a health crisis because of the stress of caring for her 24 hours a day I found at the hospital I kept having to tell the, the hospital staff don't give my mother information like you have to talk to yeah. me yeah and I had to do it over and over again because she was a nurse and she was in a familiar setting and she would say hi and how is he but she could never retain any information so oh. giving her information was futile because oh. I would never get it then also explain because we had spoken about that um, earlier of this this is this is a perfect scenario on in which Karen does not have a power of attorney for her mom because of course her father is you know looking after her mom Primarily, but in this case, where exactly what you're talking about, this could be the problem now, right? Right. Where now you cannot, you don't have the power of attorney, and yet they're speaking to your mom as if she is cognizant or cognitive of what's going on, and how problematic that is. Right? Yeah, it, it was really frustrating, and when my dad. Uh, he had to have an emergency life-saving surgery, and there were no guarantees. Um, that he was going to survive the surgery, so it was a real life and death type of situation. I was, uh, I was, I mean, I was scared for my father, but I was most scared for what am I going to do if something happens? If he's even in a coma for a month, let's say. Exactly. What so am I going to do? Because my dad has been managing my mom and transferred, you know, her bank accounts to him. And, you know, because she presents well, and our family doctor had just retired, because if he hadn't, I would have his support in, in, you know, being able to make some decisions, but I was petrified. Exactly. What, what could I do? So then this is, like, another very good point on um, what you will have to deal with if you're in a situation such as Karen, who, see, I am my mom's power of attorney, so... I don't have that concern because my father passed away, obviously. But, yeah, and the same type of thing. Like, um, if my father fell ill prior to, what would I have done? Like, how, you know, how do you go about um, escalating that power of attorney? Um, so since then, how, do you have power of attorney since there was a scare? Uh, so, so I have power of attorney over my father for um, health and financial, and um, that's something that my dad is looking into. It's just, um, you know, luckily now we have a really good relationship with our new family doctor. Right. Um, so that kind of anxiety that I have is, is gone because she understands as a family unit um, that my dad and myself attend all my mom's medical appointments mm -hmm. uh, regarding her health, and then all her physicians know that I'm involved and that we have an open sharing relationship. But um, my dad is will be undertaking getting the power of attorney 
but, you know, folks with Alzheimer's suffer from a lot of paranoia, um, and so it's, it's a harder thing to do, because then she'll think that we're wanting to put her away or, or do something behind her back, so uh, getting someone to sign a form is, uh, is much harder than it sounds. And at this stage, can she even sign a form? Well, so here's the thing. So I consulted with an attorney, and his advice was, because I was honest, and I said, she does not pass a cognitive test. So legally, I know that she can't, um, you know, make any decisions. Um, and he said, you know what? In, in this scenario, this happens a lot. Just get her to sign the form. Because if there's no one who's going to contest it, and you're just there to support her, once it's signed, it's signed. And right. so that's what he said. Right. That was the advice that I got. Because the alternative would be going to court, and that would be a cost. Well, that's um, when when um, my mom, I mean, when like uh, we did our power of attorney, my brother was present. So that, you know, he was the witness of me being the power of attorney. So exactly what you said, it can't be contested. Like, you know, right. you're trying to do anything unscrupulous, right? Right. And so if, if you think that there could be a family member who could contest it, then your avenue would be to go to court. That way the court, through their due diligence, can see that, you know, if the family physician or the team of physicians are saying that this person has always worked in their loved one's best interest, then kind of once you get that stamp from the court, then you would be good to go. But, right. I mean, these are all the things that you kind of unfortunately learn about as you go along exactly and I you know I think you know it's very good to talk about it because I think these are things that you people don't think about and we were talking a lot of the time before because you had recognized that this should have been done years ago yeah. and it was just a sore spot or it was very difficult it's very difficult when a person is first presenting the symptoms of Alzheimer's or dementia because they're very lucid at times, and these types of discussions, they don't want to talk about it, especially when your loved one has been in the medical field, such as Karen and myself. My mom and her mom were registered nurses, therefore they understand the disease a little bit more than others. So Absolutely. it's that fair factor of, you know, um, no, I'm not gonna give in to this, and it's, but it's very time sensitive because things like that could have happened like could have happened and when you do leave it to the courts you know it's not a smooth process and it's obviously going to take a lot of legal fees it's not you know and then you don't I don't know I'm pretty sure it's I a lot fortunately I didn't have to deal with that but I'm pretty sure it must be even more stressful if a court has to decide whether or not a power of attorney is in the best interest of somebody right because otherwise then it would be um like the i forget what it's called in toronto like the guardianship office yeah exactly <laughs> right the trustee but, i think trustee yeah that's yeah. it the trustee right right but then you know like we've been talking about anytime you have to do anything and you're providing care for somebody with a dementia or alzheimer's how do you do those things? Because now you have to find care for them. That's right? right. So you can't do anything. So my dad is my mom's um, primary caregiver. 
and um, you know, and obviously it's her spouse. They've been they got married in 1969, so they've been married 49 years, and um, and they have a loving relationship. And at times, Alzheimer's. It's really interesting that uh, when my dad was in the hospital, my mom would gaze at him and look at him and talk about when she first laid eyes on him, like when she was 12. And it was cute because she would talk to him and look at him with this like teenage puppy love gaze. Um, and it was so sweet. But now my dad can't get a break from my mom because she just needs to be beside him. So you want to give him a break. He can't even leave her bedroom for their bedroom walk downstairs without her wondering where he's gone because so, that, that's her security now right absolutely right, that's really it makes it so hard mm -hmm. to give him that break so much effort has to go into a 15 minute break right right like it's just it's so daunting it really is daunting it, it's you know it's sad Yes. Right, and we always hear stories, so many stories about the caregivers, um, you know, because of the stress on their lives, caring for someone 24 hours a day. You know, many caregivers pass before the person they're caring for. Yeah, that's the reality because it's so stressful. But yeah. yet our systems don't do anything to really, in a meaningful way, support the caregivers. Right? right? Like, you know, the, the number of PSW hours that somebody could get, you know, it's based on the abilities of the, the client or the patient or the person inflicted. Um, but sometimes, you know, maybe it's the caregiver who needs the PSW hours. Well, they do say respite and the respite is laughable, right? It is because they don't really talk about it. Like, I well, mean, after what my dad went through, are hours being offered to him? No. The Lens comes out to our home and, and has interviewed, and, and they know, and they're nurses and social workers, they understand the extent of his health crisis, but it doesn't really change anything. I remember that at the beginning because prior to it being the Lynn, which is the local integration health network for people who don't know, it used what? to be called Community Care As Access Center, which is CCAC, and what they do is, um, it's a it's run by the Ministry of Health and they'll come to your home to do, they'll send a case manager to do an assessment to see, um, like, I guess, where your loved one is at um, in terms of bathing, feeding, and just like um, basic things like that. And the worst part of it is, as we have been saying, if a person with dementia or Alzheimer's, they don't present all the time that they need help, but they do. Right, and so right. at the beginning, even too with my mom, they'll come there, and there it's of course my mom and myself sitting there, and my mom's like, "Yeah, I can do that," like, "Yeah, like, yeah, I'm good." Yeah, my mom still talks about she cooks every day, <laughs> cleans every day, um, you know. Yeah, needs no assistance. Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I don't even know why you're here. We're just having, you know, so. Yeah that presents a challenge too. So I, I, you know, like when they do those questionnaires or those surveys, I say, don't have the person. Yes, I understand, but you're, it's not dignified anyways, talking about what a person can and can't do in front of them, 
Absolutely. So I always said, like, why would you have that person there for the 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 interview? And they insist the person has to be there. Yeah, because and I don't know. It's just a catch twenty two. So then it took my mom. I don't know if that's a, it. What's probably happening with your mom? It took my mom like a few um, of those meetings for me insisting, like you know, no, she does need help. So initially it was like four hours, I think, a week. Right. Which is nothing. Well, you see, and for, we don't really get any hours because they look at my dad and they see, well, oh, he's recovered from a surgery. Oh, explain Um, that. Explain that because I don't think people understand. So. Yes, go ahead. Okay, so the, the hours are based on the patient or the person with the disease. But if they are in a home with people who are functioning and don't have any presenting significant acute health crisis, therefore they don't get any support because they're in in a place where someone can provide meals, can ensure that their ADLs are taken care of, and can keep them safe. But in a long-term care facility, the people who provide those supports do it for eight hours and then they switch off and another staff comes in for the 3 to 11 and they go home and then another person comes in for the 11 to 7 shift but when you're caring for your loved one you're on the clock 24 hours a day that's right so you have to plan so my dad does things around my mom is a a member of the catholic women's league Mm -hmm. and so she likes to watch mass and it's on at 11 30. Um, and so she watches math. And so that's when my dad knows he has maybe 45 minutes or 30 minutes to kind of do something in the house because she's watching math. So he has to plan whatever he does around something that can keep her entertained, let's say, in the home because he can't leave her home alone. Right. Right? But no supports are really offered to him unless there's a crisis. Acute, exactly. Crisis, right? Yeah. Acute crisis, That's and right. they don't offer the supports to you. You have to beg them and beg them. You have to keep complaining and escalating and escalating. Yeah. And the reality is, by the time they approve you, the acuteness may be over. So therefore, then you're not going to get the time anyways. Right. Because if it's not acute anymore, there's no need, which makes no sense. Because when you meet with the folks at the Alzheimer's Societies, they always talk about how it is caregiving is 24 hours. And we all know it is. And we know in long-term care facilities, the staff work eight-hour shifts because the work is so hard. And they have so many people to one person, too. And they can time out. Mm-hmm. Right? If their patient in room 202 is really giving them a hard time today, they can switch and get a break but when you're doing it 24 hours there's no break that's right no support for that person i i honestly i don't understand how this works it's a broken system it is and so well i'm gonna that's a lot for today (laughs) and that's like not even the tip of the iceberg but um this is just an average day and the challenges that you face and it's a domino effect because it affects 
everybody in the family, right? Like, it's not just, it's your dad, it's you, it's your it's children. It's children grandchildren. Right, exactly. It's just, it just keeps going on and on. And um, we need to, we're going to, we're trying to figure out a way to combat this and create uh, some awareness and some support for caregivers because nobody's fighting for us. Absolutely. So I guess we'll have to start it. That's how I look forward to it. Yes. So, okay. Thanks for calling it. We obviously maybe next week too. Um, there might be a little schedule change next week because I'm traveling, but uh, I will let you know. It's getting so dark out. I'm getting scared now. No, it's just because it's going to rain. It's yeah. Rain. It's like really getting dark. It's like. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so um, thanks, Karen. No problem. For thanks again, Wendy. No problem. <laughs> Take it easy. Hey. <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm going to tune in now and watch. Okay, perfect. Okay. Okay, bye. bye. So, did you learn stuff? Always. I mean, you know, listening for, uh, you know, to other people's perspectives that are going through a similar journey, but completely different, right? Obviously, it's going to be similar, but wrapped in a different package. It's always devastating to hear because, you know, it's, it's like you just, you guys just mentioned, it affects everybody. It literally is not just the caregiver per se, but it's the caregiver's children and siblings and parents and cousins and friends and family and community it, it's just such a domino effect so yeah I, I think you know this is a great idea if we could get even more people out there to chime in that are walking this journey you know well um, every time I do these things I'm like is this really making any type of difference I'm you know and then I got two messages in my inbox this week from people that I know and clearly it is. Yeah, it, it for is. sure, for um, sure. It just keeps, like, I don't know, sometimes I'm like, oh, am I wasting time? Um, but clearly I'm not. Well, and I think even just the awareness itself of people who, like, and this is something that I've been ongoing, like, in terms of hearing everybody's perspective that's gone through this or going through this. It's This is the one characteristic that I continuously hear is that when you're going through it, it's so isolating and you feel so alone and you feel like, you know, people around you don't really understand and you don't know how to explain and express. And so you just end up being, you know, internal and you, it's, and, and it's, and you can fall into a depression. So I just hearing that other people are going through something similar and that you're not alone, I think is that's it's, therapeutic it's, enough, you know, it's isolating because, okay. In my case, and I'm sure just like Karen's case, it's, it's your parent at the end of the day so you don't want to complain like so but you need to get it out like anything else like if when you're going through something that's why people go through depressions because they're they're internalizing right right because they say it what aggression is as um outward depression sort of thing like it's, it's yeah and then depression is internal like when you're just sucking everything in and not getting it out but when you are looking after someone, especially your mom, your dad, or a spouse, I guess, where that it's like a close relationship like that, 
you want to vent, you're dying to vent, but then you could imagine how it's going to sound to, to people somebody. that don't understand. So you don't, yeah. and then you just suck it in, and then it just gets worse and worse and worse, yeah. and you just feel really guilty. So it is isolating, and it's yeah. about time. This is why I keep saying I do this, because it's about time we fight for people like myself, Karen, there's Erica, there's Bill, there's like Kalina, there's a lot of people that I know personally now that are dealing with this and it's it's you go through like I said um, emotionally it's so draining yeah and just knowing that again there's other people there's there's a not, not so much a foundation but like a network of people that know exactly what you're feeling and going through it because they're pretty much going through the same thing there's there's a consolation in that you know there's there's definitely some sort like, of therapeutic you don't have your aunt at all anymore and you know, she was like a big part of your life for sure and and what's what's so sad about that is is just thinking about now this generation and what she's missed out on and then you know seeing your interaction with my kids which rem- brings me back to my interaction why don't you just tell her. them today just it's so crazy because you know like she looks exactly like her mom and so and i want to say that like my daughter pretty much looks exactly like i did back yeah, in the day yeah. so it's like this it's like a doppelganger. <laughs> like we're reliving thirty years ago. It's so crazy. Like and she said today, her well, anyways, we won't get into the details, but her daughter did something at school and my mom was a disciplinarian for her. So when when she got in trouble at school, it was, Oh, let's go to your aunt's house and then And that was enough. Like forget my mom even my mom just was like, I'm not even dealing with this. We're going over to your aunt's house and I was like, No So when I came over here, she's like <laughs> Tell your auntie what you did. And I'm <laughs> And then I left the kitchen because that was my cue to leave. And then this one wants to look at my six year old with the same exact look that her mother would look at me like. And right. I was like, Wow, like look at that. You know, so it's little moments like that that what now? it's very um it's tragic really and and I always go back and think thirty, twenty years ago, like who could have predicted that this would have been her fate or this would have been the future, you know? And it's just, it's just so sad to me, you know, uh, thinking about who she was and how she lived and all the memories, the, the rich memories that we were left with and to think of where she is now, it just, well, it, that's it why puts things into perspective for sure. Like Last week was very emotional for me because Jalen's prom, like she would have been. Yeah, for oh sure, gosh. for sure. And uh, just knowing that she's here, but not, not really here. here, not here to participate. And uh, grad coming up is going to be a big one. Yeah, yeah. But I'll you start know. stocking up on tissues. From <laughs> I was thinking more of your dad because yeah, I know, he's like a big, yeah, yeah. That was a, I was that like that would have been huge. Oh, for and Jalen got. Um, Oh, this is what how he told me too. Oh, by the way, mom. Yeah, I got a thousand dollar scholarship to go to McMaster. How did that? Just so, just out of the blue. Well, because of his marks. So then, all that rest of that stuff was covered. No, because he, he it only gets access once he enrolls. Yeah. Jeez. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> yeah, I'll have to deal with that in about 10, 15 years. Yeah. So. But then maybe you'll have someone nonchalant like him. Oh, by the way. No, I, I couldn't. <laughs> you know me. <laughs> yeah, no, I'd have to channel 
my inner auntie Marlene and be like, no, 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 this isn't happening again. Anyways, okay, so yeah, let's cut this. Um, we'll just keep on. Obviously, it's doing some, basically getting back to it. It's obviously doing good. These podcasts are doing good. Well, if it's to even help one person, I'm okay with that. Like, if it's, you know, even sometimes getting the feedback from Bill saying, listen, like, this is the first time I've smiled all day. Or, you know, this That's is the nice. first time that I'm able to, like, really sit and listen to some somebody who understands what I've just gone through the past 24 hours. Like, just knowing that, you know, it's one, two, three people. I, I think that's good enough. It doesn't need to be masses. And if it is masses, then even better. But, you know, it's just really creating an awareness for the caregivers out there that are the MVPs that are doing Silent this work. MVP. And no one, no one knows what you guys are really doing. And I think, you know, you guys really deserve just so much more. And I think the more that we talk about it and bring awareness to it, there can be some serious change, some positive change in these, these departments. And if we can be a part of that, then I'm all for it. So let's just keep it going. Keep it rolling. All right. Mm. Okay, you guys be blessed. Thank you for tuning in. As always, we are grateful for the sharing, the comments, the support, all of that, you know. Oh, yeah, like, please share because we always get banned because of this one. <laughs> Me! Here. Yeah, it's your mouth. We always get banned, so. Uh -huh. <laughs> okay, well you can talk now. Oh, anyways, yeah, so share because, you know, just share. Share. Okay. We, yeah, we love you guys. Grateful thanks for all for of you. Thanks for tuning in. And thanks Karen again, and we'll talk again because there's way more, and she's, um, she's, I'm like so fuzzy like it's like when she, when um, Karen does talk or anybody else talks about their experiences then it jogs my memory then I'm like oh yeah it, it, remember it's 18 years it's almost two decades now for me so it's I have to be jogged about how it was initially and um, it's good to hear that perspective it's sad it's good to hear but it's also sad that Karen is experiencing the exact same thing that I experienced 18 years ago that's that's very telling about our healthcare system that we are not progressing any further in this disease or caring for our loved ones and um ah it's voting time so it's very important to make sure whoever you're voting for i'm not going to get political please don't well i'm not because that's one thing you don't discuss religion and politics see bandering no, I didn't discuss it. I'm just word. saying. You said the word. You it's said it. Politics and religion. See? Okay, you're not gonna get you're not gonna get you're not gonna get banned for that. Anywho. Mm -hmm. I'm not gonna get banned, it's you. You're the ban you're the See? Always me. <laughs> it's you. It's you. Okay, it's me. Anyways, it's important that you are aware of whoever you're gonna vote for, their platform, and make sure that they are um their platform has something to do with health and the healthcare system because it's very limited. And until you go through it, you'll understand what I'm saying. But don't wait for that. Make sure you make a difference now. That's all right. What I'm gonna say. We're out. Like scouts. Don't say anything to rhyme and then say something prohibitive. You've already you've already banned us. No, you're
It was it's you. Coming. We, this is good. This one's a good one. This, this one's right. not getting banned. Yeah, we'll see you next week. Peace and love. Bye. Caius! Come here. What's your sister doing? Alasia, come here.